I tell you what, folks, one of the things I love about our church is the growing number of God stories coming from the mission field. And I think when those are stories become the stories of this family, then our family has stories about the heart of God. Amen? Amen. That was exciting. You know, thinking about today, thinking about this week in front of us, I was thinking about missions a couple of days ago, a week ago, and, and, and the difference, I, I can't even tell you how I got started down this train of thought, but I was just thinking about the difference between answering the call to the mission field today versus answering that call a hundred years ago. You know, if it was 100 years ago, you'd have a, you know, 25-year-old single person, maybe a 32-year-old couple, and, and they're answering the call to the mission field. So now they're going to get on this boat. They're going to get on a boat going to China, going to South America, going to Africa. And when they're there on the dock and they're saying goodbye to their family and friends, did you know that 100 years ago, in many respects, that was, that was goodbye forever? That was, that was going to be it. They, they really kind of went with the anticipation we may never see each other again. The, the cost of travel at that time, the time it took to travel, uh, you, you just didn't do a whole lot of back and forth. So when they were saying goodbye, when they were saying yes to the mission field, they're saying yes to God. In many respects, they were saying goodbye to everyone, everything that they knew and loved and understood. And of course, not only was it about what they were saying goodbye to here, but there was an element of what they were embracing there. You know, I don't, I, I've not read anything that says this is a fact. It seems kind of obvious to me, though. I, I think when you answered the call to the mission field a hundred years ago, there was just a higher probability you were going to die. You were going to die as a missionary on the mission field, and you may have been young. I mean, I think of somebody like a, uh, a William Borden. You're familiar with Borden Dairy, right? The milk, the cheese, and all that. Well, William Borden in the early 1900s was going to be the heir apparent to the, to the Borden industry. Just graduated from Yale. Uh, obviously was looking at a, a life of wealth, was looking at a life of being a business leader in America. And you know what? God called him to missions. And, and he was excited about that. And he said, yes, I said goodbye to all of those things. And he, wa- he was going to China and wanted to reach Muslims in northern China. And so to prepare for that, he, he, the agency he was with sent him to Egypt, where he would begin preparing for that mission work. And while in Egypt, uh, as a young 20-year-old, mid-20s, uh, he contracted cerebral meningitis and died very quickly. I, I mean, you would say he, he died before he even technically got to the field. His family, uh, his parents collected his belongings and they were going through his Bible because it had just been written recently. I don't, I don't remember if there was a date in front of it or what, but it, it was apparent that he'd written it recently and it just had these phrases, no, no reserve, no regret, no retreat. I think of somebody else like a Jim Elliott. I imagine some of you might be familiar with his story. Jim and his four friends were working on reaching his primitive tribe in South America, the Aka Indians. And this, this civil or this 
tribe had never had any contact at all with the outside world. And that, that could be dangerous when you did that. And they knew that. And, and so for literally for weeks, even months, they were doing things, just trying to build a bridge. Saying, hey, we're friends. We're, we're not here to do any wrong, any harm. And they would literally fly over, drop gifts, fly over and, and drop food. And, you know, then they would be from a distance and let them see them and say, hey, you know, we don't, we're not here for any harm. And finally they felt like, okay, we're, we're ready to make contact. And they landed their plane and they, they crossed the stream and the tribe came out to greet them and killed all five of them. You know, what's really wild about that story is to find out that several years later, all five of those guys' wives and their children returned to reach that entire tribe for Jesus Christ. You know, folks, when I, when I make comparisons like that, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, boy, answering the call to missions back then, now, boy, then it was really tough. No, to answer that call today, there's, there's sacrifice. To answer that call today, there's, there's challenges, there's hardships, and, and there are goodbyes. But it is different. It, it's very different answering that call today. And in, and in many respects, that's a very good thing. You know, depending on the mission agency that, that somebody is with, most missionaries today return back to the States every two to four years for a furlough. Uh, most missionaries, if there's some kind of family crisis inside their family there on the mission field or maybe with their family back here in the States, they can return home very quickly. They can return home immediately. Gosh, there's just the communication. I mean, you, you can keep up. You're, you're, you're not gone for life forever. There's Facebook and, and Skype and email. Guys, just looking at the, the difference with the telephone in my lifetime. 1985, I went on my first mission trip to what was then the, the Soviet Union. I was there for over a month. During that time, didn't call home one time. It wasn't even a thought to try to have the opportunity or the ability to call home. Ten years later... I'm in Romania, and, and if you got up early in the morning, it was work to make a call. If you got up early in the morning, you could go to the, the front desk at the hotel, and uh, you could say, I'd like to call the States today. And maybe by the time you went to bed that night, Rick, did you ever go to Romania? Rick is, is from North Spartanburg, where I, I, I can't remember. We had several trips there, remember, in the mid-90s in Romania. You say, could I, could I call home? And maybe by the time you went to bed, they'd have a line for you. And you would talk for three to four minutes for about $45 and not understand half of what was said. Ten more years later, I'm in Ecuador out in a remote village on the, on the side of a mountain with our youth. That, that was a trip we took here. And you know, you pull out your cell phone and you call home like you're calling from the mall. What, what color did you want? You know, I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, that, that's a good change, isn't it? That's a good thing that, is, that has happened in, in advancements in technologies. But, you know, when you use words like advancement in technologies, I wonder, do we still have the ability to follow God into the unknown? I mean, we've got our medicines, we've got our travel, we, we've got ability to, to access and acquire great amounts of information, great amounts of knowledge, so we can work through all possible scenarios and, and get questions answered and get exit strategies and get immunizations. I mean, we can just get all of this resolved before we have to take a single step. Can we follow God into the unknown? I, I'm not against answers. Answers are wonderful. But do we have to have answers before we move? I'm, I'm not for going back. I like taking a plane. 
I like getting immunizations. I like being able to communicate. I don't think there's anything spiritual about taking a boat, getting sick, and not communicating. There's, there's nothing more spiritual about that. But folks, there's something very unspiritual. If we can't move, if we can't respond to God, if we can't say yes to God until every, until every I is dotted and every T is crossed and the, the questions are answered and the scenarios are worked through, that's a problem. Yeah, big, big thought, big point, big, big takeaway for today, okay? Here it is. God is very comfortable. God is very comfortable issuing an invitation in your life that is completely enveloped in the unknown. And, and yeah, the theme today is, is missions. And so calling you into the unknown of missions. But folks, that unknown might be what we've been talking about the last four weeks. It might be into forgiving somebody. That could be the unknown. And what will that mean? It could be giving. It could be serving. It could be ministering. It could be a challenge, an opportunity. And you and I, oh man, all these things, this has got to get worked. God is very comfortable calling you into things that are that are the unknown. The question is, can we say yes to them? You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we walk by faith when we follow Christ, not by sight. We don't follow God by the answers. Are answers bad and wrong? No, but that's not how we follow God. We don't follow God by the answers, but by faith. And folks, in many respects, this is one of the big stories of Scripture. I think of the very opening pages of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, and God is issuing one of his first calls to follow to a guy named Abram, who he's later going to rename Abraham. Imagine some of you are familiar with this passage, and the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Does that sound awesome? Sign me up for that. I'm all for being made great. Yes, you, you can do that for me, God. It sounds like a wonderful invitation until you kind of read between the lines. Because really kind of what God is saying here is, listen, I want you to leave everything you know and understand. The land that you've always lived in. The family that you've always been around. You know, you and I don't think much about this today, do we? I mean, if, if, if the job transfer comes through, what do we do? Pack up the family, pack up the house, and move. We wouldn't, we wouldn't think much about living our whole life on the East Coast and then moving to the Midwest or, or moving to the West. We wouldn't think much about that. That's not at all true about this, folks. In this day and age, you died when you left. Security was in numbers. Safety is in, in being with your family and being what you knew. So God's calling him, go, go there and do that. And, and I'm going to make this great nation out of your decades old childless marriage. Now, I don't know, would it, would it seem fair for Abraham to have a few questions? Um, why can't, why can't you do all this right here where I already am, Lord? <laughs> I mean, none of this stuff is really geography based. Let's do all this right here. Or, or is it safe where we're going? By the way, where are we going? And really now, I mean, gosh, Sarah and I are as old as dirt. There's no chance you could have done this earlier. You know, a couple of questions, fair questions. But he doesn't ask any of those questions before he follows. Now, folks, the, the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 is not just a neat story. Oh, you know, we've got, we've got stories that teach us and stories that inspire us. Genesis 12 is not there just to, you know, encourage you to have faith. 
Folks, Genesis 12 is a bedrock, a cornerstone to the entire rest of the Bible. As a matter of fact, we can fast forward 1,400 years and we're going to see Paul writing a letter to the Romans explaining to them how you get saved. And you're not saved by your religiosity or your good works or what you're trying to be, but it's by faith, faith. And then he says, hey, this is not a wild new idea. It goes all the way back to Genesis 12 because Abraham's righteousness was credited to him not by what he did, but by his faith. So folks, this story right here becomes kind of a, a thread that runs through the entire Scripture. And we certainly see it as we walk into the New Testament. The same kind of call. Jesus is walking alongside the, the Sea of Galilee and he wanders up on Simon. Simon, who he's going to rename later Peter. God's into renaming people. He names him Peter uh, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I think a lot of times we stop reading the verse right there because the big point's what Jesus is going to make them, right? Man, you're going to become witnesses. You're going to reach people for me. You're going to change the world. But look at the next phrase. And immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. That word immediately just always climbs up in my grill. I don't know. Immediately? Here again, would it not be fair to have a few questions? I mean, would any of us in here, if we watched Jesus calling Peter and Andrew, would we think Peter and Andrew were bad or wrong or unspiritual if they just said, you know, I've got to, I'm, I'm all for that. I want to do that. A couple of things. Where are we going? What are you going to make me? What, what does that look like? How will I do that? What about my family? Uh, my responsibilities? My job here? What about, I mean, are those fair questions? Sure they are, and yet none of the questions are asked or answered before immediately happens. And folks, this is the kind of invitation that God issues into our lives and expects, yes. As a matter of fact, I would dare say that God expects the immediately. And folks, I can take you from these two stories throughout all of the Scripture and point this story out taking place over and over and over again. I can show you the same kind of invitation going to Joshua, to Jonah, to Isaiah, to Jeremiah. We can come to the New Testament and we see Jesus doing the same thing with James and, and John and Matthew. And folks, in the New Testament, Jesus issues this same exact invitation to you. To you. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Jesus says to followers of Jesus, not, not to the pastor, not, not, not to, to missionaries, to followers. If you say, I'm a child of God, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, then to you, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. That calls on your life and my life. We call it the Great Commission, right? As a foot soldier of the Lord, as a follower of the Lord, this is His commissioning upon my life. Now we're talking, I mean nations, we're talking about the whole world here. This is a big strategy, isn't it? It would seem like with a big strategy, you know, a few details need to be filled in, right? You know, you know what folks? Wait for this earth-shattering news. God's got the details. As a matter of fact, you would think of all the questions, God could double the number of questions you should ask. God knows all the questions, and here's some more earth-shattering news, God's got all the answers. 
Do you know that when God issues this kind of invitation in your life and in my life, that there's not lots of questions. There's only one question for God. There's only one real detail, only one real issue that is out there that needs to be dealt with, and that's your answer. He's got all the other questions and answers. What's your answer as you follow the Lord? You know, Hebrews chapter 12, I think, paints this beautiful picture in the opening verses. And it says, around you and me, right, right now, today, February 2nd, 2013, in this room, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that there is a great cloud of witnesses around us. It, it, it's the thread of faith that has gone down throughout history. The cloud of witnesses is all the people who've said yes to following Christ. Yes to going wherever he led. You say, who are these witnesses? It, it's, it's Abraham. It's, it's Peter and Andrew and James and John and Isaiah. Folks, it's William Borden. It's Jim Elliott. And they're literally peering over the edge of heaven, watching into this service right now, watching into your life and mine, wanting to know, what are we going to do? Are we going to say Yes. Will we take the baton from them and continue the race? Would you follow the Lord into ministry? Would you follow the Lord to the mission field? Would you follow the Lord? You know, when we think of mission field, we think of, you know, getting on a plane or a boat and we think of a map and, and, and the names of nations. But the mission field might be your plant. It might be your job site, might, might be your school, might be that, that ball field that you spend so much time on. Folks, our, our mission field is where God has planted us. Do we look at our lives, do we look at the relationships and the places we are in that way? Where would we follow the Lord? Where, where would we follow Him? Do we have borders? Do we have limits on where we would go? You know, folks, you and I are called to be a witness. It's the one thing. It's not one of many. It's not the most important. The one thing you've been left on this earth to do is to be a witness. Now, you and I have all kinds of things that make up our lives, and those are the things of where we go and be a witness. You might witness as a poor person. You might witness as a rich person. You might be a witness for him as a healthy person. You might be a witness for him as an unhealthy person. You might be a, a witness for him not gifted at all in athletics. You might be a witness for him very gifted in athletics. You might be a witness for him as an old person. as a young. Those are just the details of where we're going to do the one thing we've been left on this planet to do, and that's be a witness. And what Jesus said is, as you're being a witness, have an eye for the nations. Always keep the big target. As you're, as you're witnessing to one, as you're witnessing to a, a family, you've always got an eye on the nations, on the, on the big picture. Now, you know what the Global Impact Conference is about? It's about showing you and I, in a very fun way, an exciting way, it's one of the most exciting weeks in our church calendar, how we can have an eye to the nations in the way that we pray. In the way that we go, man, I mean, praying and giving, everybody can do it. I cannot imagine, I cannot fathom somebody who calls themselves a follower of Christ and the, go the, the gospel going to the nations is not a part of their prayer life somewhere. I'm not saying every time we say, dear Lord, but somewhere in our prayer life is showing up the nations. Somewhere in our finances is the investing and the, and the providing for world evangelization and the gospel going out. A follower of Christ is going to do that. Our conference this week shows you some of those ways. How to pray, how to give, how to, imagine this, go with our feet. 
get on that plane and go somewhere. You know, you got, you got a wonderful church. I'm a little biased when I say that. But you know what we do for you in the Global Impact Conference? We make these nice little tidy packages. We're just going to, no, no questions, no, no answers to work through, no details. Here's the package. Here's how you pray. Here's how you can give. Here's how you can go. There's hardly anything to figure out. But what if there was a lot to figure out? Do we only say yes to the Lord when everything's been answered? Do you know, when, when we use this phrase, do we have borders? This is my border, right? God, I trust you right up to this border. I mean, boy, on this side of the border, you're God, and I go to church, and I worship you, and I wave my arms. Yay, Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, trust Jesus, praying about this, trusting Jesus for this. But then we get these borders in our lives. See, this border is where I'm too old. Well, the funny thing is you can say you're too young, too. This border is where I, yeah, I'm, I'm too rich. I got too much going on. Or, no, I'm too poor. No, I'm, I'm not healthy. I, I, kids. We got all these borders were put up. And most of us would not consider those borders because those are just legitimate realities, right? It's just the fact of life. It's the way things are. And that's why that's a, a border on where my faith can go. Now, while I don't believe anybody in here has actually said this, think about what a border is saying. It's saying, God... Up to the border, I fully trust you. Beyond the border, I don't know what you're doing. Not only do I not know what you're doing, I don't trust what you're doing. I don't, I don't know if you're smart enough, if you're big enough. I don't know if out there you can protect me. I don't know if out there you can provide for me. I don't know if out there you can protect others that I love. I, I, out there, Lord, I don't trust you out there. And so that's, that's my border. On this side, yay God. Over there, uh, not so much. You know, folks, ultimately a border is just the place where we say, I don't trust you, Lord. And as a pastor who loves you, as a man who can now say, I've spent the better part of my life in God's word. There's, there's no verse. There, there's no story. There's no passage that would suggest to you and I, here's the legitimate border. Here's an appropriate place to say, I can follow you, I can trust you up to here. N not anymore beyond this. You know, folks, the funny thing is, wherever you and I draw borders, that's just where we've said, now God, this is where you've got to start to work. Because ultimately what it means to follow is when we come to the place where it's whoever, wherever, whenever, whatever, However, I don't need to know. I'll just follow you. Let's pray. Father, I would, I would lift up to you the heights. I would lift up to you this church family. Not, not a building, not an institution, not an organization. People, that's what the heights is. It's people, it's your people. And I pray we are a people that are increasingly producing followers of Jesus Christ. Followers who will go wherever, whenever, however. Lord, we give you this week ahead and we want you to speak and we want you to move. But Lord, before you even speak, prepare our hearts to be listeners. 
ready our heart and soul to be responders to your voice. Maybe in this room right now is somebody you want to call into ministry. Maybe somebody in this room right now is somebody you want to call not to a trip, but to full-time missions. Lord, maybe in this room are many who need to see the mission field you've already placed them in. God will come with open ears, open minds, and open hearts. Fill us with faith. Prepare us with a faith. Develop in us in a faith that has no borders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.